This is Brian Q. Miller, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are Night's Entertainment. Here on the world, freezes in the None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt just like a green sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always holding on to small hands. I know people should escape my sight, but those who worship evils might be where my power green lantern will I've let the universe howl in despair, for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Across the Airwaves DC Nation podcast, the only place so far on the internet to find podcast reviews that Green Lantern, the animated series, Young Justice, and all the other imaginative content DC Comics produces for its fans, including comic books, Brian Q. Miller's Smallville Season 11, and movies. I'm, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is the most infamous of our Across the Airwaves core our very own Michael J. Petty. And for those of you who were a part of this podcast in its infancy, uh, you might have remembered we were joined a few months back by an individual who talked with us about a little comic book he was writing called Smallville Season 11. And from here on out, all of you awesome listeners have been with us as we've discussed every single digital issue that has been released. And we thank you for that. And at this point, it's been a fun ride, but we'd be lying if we didn't say it wasn't a lot of work with everything Michael and I had going on this summer. But it all paid off as we were asked to do a second interview with the man behind the magic of Clark Kent's continued adventures beyond the TV screen. So without further ado, I would like Michael and his epic Super Friends announcer voice to introduce our special guest. Thank you, Dan. And with that, I am proud to welcome back to the DC Nation podcast, the writer of various Smallville episodes, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl comic, and now Smallville Season 11, Brian Q. Miller. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> That's an awesome response to the announcer voice. Like that, Brian. Well, everything then echoed, right? So yes. it's... It- so echo means cool, right? So yes. I'll do what I can to just repeat everything I say several times. I'm, I'm, I'm. Wow. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yes. And it won't go, won't go on for the whole episode, just so everyone knows. No, I'm already tired of it, so I'm not yeah, going to do anything. Okay. That's cool. It's over. Damn. No. Yeah. Well, first off, Brian, we got to say, love the comic where it's going so far. Uh, oh, thank, thank, thank you guys for for having me again. Oh yeah, no. Well, thank you for wanting to do it again. Yes, <laughs> no problem. We we appreciate that. I mean, that that really meant a lot to us and had us, you know, really fired up. You wanted to come back again, so we're glad to know we did a good job with that. Yep. Yeah, but uh, really, we've loved the book. Uh, it's really been a great way to fill the void that you know we've been we had since. Smallville ended in it. So it totally achieved what we imagined it would be. And Michael, did you kind of want to start out, you know, asking Brian about, I guess, the first major villain of the arc? I mean, that was the main thing. I mean, Guardian was the cyborg Superman. So you want to mm-hmm. start asking Brian about that? Well, yeah, I mean, 
how did you come across bringing the cyborg Superman into the Smallville universe? Like, what inspired his motivations as a villain? And you know that debate about uh, being a hero that he had with Clark earlier in the episode. And yeah. why did you pick him? Um, I mean, Hank had been um, kind of someone that we had every now, like you know, at the beginning of eh, a few times a year, actually, not just at the beginning of every season, but you know, we'd always put up, you know, a big whiteboard with what you know, what what DC, what DC heroes or villains, you know, could we. Could we try to work into the show this year? And so we, you know, we'd always have at least two dozen, two dozen names of you know various affiliation and origin up on up on our whiteboards um, a few times a year. And so Hank's name always came up, but then you know it was one of those things where just the basic kind of whole cyborg of it, you know, always just felt a little too outside of kind of that protected, quasi grounded reality that we that we had in the show and certainly okay. you know towards towards the end in, in the seasons where i joined the show as a writer we we started to kind of go beyond that bubble um you know like we had our right. big jsa episode which kind of opened the world up you know we eventually got to um you know that opened the world up for hero stuff we brought in you know zatanna and kind of helped to expand upon um, you know the the world of magic that we had kind of hinted at a little yeah. bit uh, earlier in the series. You know, with with the witches, and then you know every now and then with episodes like Hypnotic with the um, mm-hmm. with the amulet, um, you know stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so we had we had kind of nodded towards that aspect of of our larger world existing. Um, and so in seasons eight, nine, and ten, we committed a little more to that, and then we kind of broadened the scope of kind of the sci-fi element of the show when we finally got around to the Earth two episodes in um in season 10 so so we kind of by the time we got to a point when we could have you know when by the by the time you have apocalypse hanging in orbit um you're in a very you're in a very uh morrison-esque place of fiction and spirituality at the same time um once once you're kind of in that place you're certainly got a canvas on which you can realistically paint something like a version of cyborg superman but at that point the show was done yeah so there wasn't any more time to go oh yeah now we can finally do hank no because the show was finished uh so so getting into um season 11 i you know it's certainly guardian was, was more about the versions of lex but Hank, in a way, especially the way we did Hank, kind of, I think, helped to for the, hopefully helped to for the reader, kind of bridge us from that grounded world that some lapsed viewers may remember from from the series from when they stopped watching it, you know, season four or season seven, um, to to kind of what we get away with more in a comic book. Right. Um you know, for season eleven. So, and and Hank certainly was someone we could, uh, even if if you know he kind of lost his mind a little bit and became less just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. Um, he just you know lit his own body on fire. Um, but um, you, know, you can certainly empathize with him and what he's going yeah. through too. Um, which you know we've always with with the the featured Smallville villains like like Davis or. Um, uh, or you know Adam Knight back in the day. Yes. Um, we we always try, strive to have at least a component, and with Zod too, a component yeah. of both Zods, a relatable a relatability to the villain. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, the 
role with with bringing Hank in. And you know, on the plus side too, for for coverage on the internet, certainly having a ver- you know the name Hank Henshaw might not mean a lot to people who have watched the show, but to people right. who have reading Superman comics and to an extent Green Lantern comics for a while, um, Henshaw is a name that's going to resonate. So so yep. that couldn't hurt in in the webosphere to 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 have in our first arc any promotion is good promotion it's it's uh, unfortunate but true yes <laughs> well you know i really when i was reading it i didn't feel that he was so outside the the wheelhouse of what you guys could do for the show you know there were still i mean yes there was more of a slugfest in the comic compared to what you guys were capable of doing on the show but there still was a lot of talking there's still a lot of discussion during the fight, like you would find on, you know, a, a TV show that would be a drama. You know, there was a lot of talking, like there was in. I would say the best episode compared to was the first Metallo episode. Metallo. Yeah, I Metallo. Sir Metallo. Metallo was great. Metallo, the first Metallo episode was great. It was um, Don and Holly, I think, did that one. Yes. That was great. And, yeah. And I felt that the cyborg thing was similar to that situation. I'd say that's. Yeah. And so that it still had that that battle of morals between characters that Smallville, the, the TV show, traditionally had. So I thought it fit in perfectly. Well, and we certainly could have gone could have gone longer with that fight when the fight actually happened. But then that's kind of where, like, with the structuring of the comic, with uh, which is which is a very interesting and and helpful exercise, I think, as as a writer, not just comic book stuff, but TV stuff, and, and hopefully at some point feature stuff too. Is that yeah. you kind of have to compartmentalize, just like in TV, where as you go from Act One to Act Two to Act Three, you kind of have to build towards an Act Out. You kind of have to hit some kind of cliffhanger every you know six to nine minutes on TV that's going to make someone want to come back after the. Break, or you know to stay there to keep fast forwarding through the commercials if they've got it on their DVR. Uh, you know, in this regard with the comic, the challenge was having it be something where someone would be willing to come back to keep reading after just one week. Yeah. But then every of those weeks, because it's getting bound in the in the print editions for every thirty pages, you need to have some kind of push off, question mark, or act out. At the end of the 30 pages, that's a big enough deal for people to come back an entire month later yeah. And, yeah. and buy that print comic. So it's it's an interesting exercise in keeping momentum going. Um, the, you know, certainly we could have protracted it and had it happen over more than one weekly chapter, but then, you know, for the for the print reader. That's great. So they get a comic that has, you know, hope. I mean, depending on whether or not you like that kind of thing, but you have a 20 page fight sequence in a comic. Um, but for that weekly reader, a pickle where for two weeks, they've had, you know, a whole week in between, they're coming to more of a fight. Yeah. And you want a different flavor or direction for every week of, of, of that, you know, digital experience. So, um, so it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. It, you know, we certainly with the, with the Hank fight too. There was um, a piece of Cat's art that she had up for um, for sale at one point. That was her digital cover. That instead of having Hank and Clark over the city, uh, here's some behind the scenes commentary. It had Hank and Clark on the moon squaring off mm-hmm. because the original outline uh, 
that it to get to get lateral damage away from the city, that's where Superman takes it. Oh, uh, that would've been awesome. Moon. The 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 twofold problem with that was a, um, they can't talk on the moon. Yes. <laughs> so then you've got a very long sequence of no dialogue, um, in a comic book, and then um. Which which can be read very quickly in that regard too, and there's nothing personally I find more uh, pet peeve wise than when I pay sometimes perhaps multiple dollars for a comic and then I wind up blowing through thing in, in two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just it's I find that very frustrating. So so that was problem number one. Problem number two was that if we in hindsight and and I changed it if we went that big and had a fight on the moon in the premiere. What do we do? What do we do? For episode two. So we we certainly could have gone that big, but it seemed for multiple reasons just like it would be best to to scale it back. So we did. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. The next thing we wanted to ask about the you know the thought process. I mean, of what went into the new comic was the decision to keep Tess around. It was a big surprise to us. We liked it, but you know, normally when a character dies on a show. They stay dead. Um, what was the thought process of bringing her back? Was that to appease the fans or something you thought would be cool to do to keep Lex on his toes? Or what was the thought process? Um, I mean, for for me, uh, twofold. I know I know Tess not had very large following. Um, you know, with especially by the time we we got her kind of on the side of the angels towards the end of the show, um, and she had following i certainly you know and, and cassidy's you know a wonderful person and a great actress and i can't imagine anyone else having been tapped um but um yeah so i definitely had always intended when when the talk the comic came up to work her back in as <clears throat> excuse me as a foil for lex um especially because you had lex who who had his who had his memory wiped by test so what what more interesting a position to put, you know, control freak hero complex Lex in than having someone who knows all of his secrets trapped inside of his brain where he can't get to her. So, um, so, so it definitely, um, was, was in the mix from the get go. Um, and it's, you know, uh, it's a situation that, that, that text text that Tess is not happy about, um, by any means. Right. And her golden post-death years, um, lurking around inside of the abandoned shambles of Lex's mind, is not where she would like to do that. Right. Um, so, uh, so, so it's, it's interesting predicament, and hopefully, hopefully, folks um, are, are enjoying. It. Well, the big thing was, you know, they um, what made Lex really great got the show was those seeds where Lionel would come in. To kind of keep him on his toes, or make him second guess himself, or shake him up a bit, and uh, bringing Tess in, I felt certainly did that here, and I'm glad that you kept that concept um, in the show, but instead of it being Lionel, it's using it as Tess, which is as a, actually a character that would make a little more sense to be on Lexus, keep Lex on his toes. Such she's essentially a hero, or I guess an anti-hero character we could go with, since she has made mistakes and whatnot of the past well but and just like like it's lionel in that because lionel always whether or not 
whether or not Lex was aware of it, Lionel was was convinced that he knew Lex better than Lex knew himself. So Tess, you literally have that being the case in this in this situation where he does know Lex better than he knows himself because right now Lex isn't physically capable of knowing himself because of because she took away. So but then at the same time you know they're handcuffed together. You know, I run. They're they they've got nowhere else to go. Um, he could uh, Lex could always turn his back on Lionel, have some scotch, or have a bottle of water, or fence, and then leave the room. Uh, right. You know, Tess doesn't really have that luxury, and neither does Lex. Exactly. He just kind of pops in. I'm here. Yeah. Well, yeah, and one more thing about, um. Lex gets the whole stunt he pulled with, I guess, essentially Superman at the end of the issue with putting the radiation on him. And, um, you know, I guess our question is, how long is the radiation going to be on him? And was that a move to kind of bring back some of that romantic tension and drama that Smallville is uh, known so well for? Um, I mean, yes and no, and I don't. I don't think we're in since it's been multiple weeks since that came out and it's come out in print. I don't think we're in spoiler territory for that at this point. So I think we're good to talk a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's it's certainly like at the end of Guardian. Um, it's definitely kind of a nod to that that kind of angst that the show was driven by for very many years. Yeah. Uh, and is also like you know for, for Clark and Lois, it's really the awful situation yeah. uh, and what it gives us for for smallville moving forward which is in many ways what we started to do especially you know in that latter half of season nine and season 10 with with a lot of our characters was having them accept how things were and try to find ways to overcome them versus just languishing and wallowing in them uh which you know is as as they grow up and become adults you're you're certainly going to be more pro- to that kind of behavior um, of being owned by your angst um, in high school, because you're kind of hardwired for that when you're in high school. Uh, whereas as you get older, you you know learn and find arounds and shortcuts for ways to make life work. So, so in the end, of Guardian, it certainly um, was intentional in 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 kind of you know that homage to the angst of the past in the show. But then, as we see going into the detective, um, they're handling it much differently um, mm-hmm. than they would have, you know, five years ago, even three years ago. Well, it's also... They're growing up. Yeah. And it's also Lois versus Lana as well. That Lo- is pretty much <laughs> the term. Yes. I mean, that's... Uh, Lois is bound and determined to get what she wants. It's the main way I see that. Because she even no, says that... Sleeves. And so, right? And and then you look at what what happened with Lana and Clark at the very end of the relationship. Yeah. Um, it, it's not just that Lana went and left, and neither of them really did anything to yeah. fix that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which w- whether it was it was certainly wasn't said aloud, but I think even though it was heartbreaking for them to leave i you know i think they both kind of knew that that things had had run their course to an extent so so this definitely um very much on purpose is showing 
how Lois and Clark's relationship is fundamentally different than where we left off with Lana and Clark, you know, four, three, four years ago. Exactly. Well, Michael, I know this is a big part that you're really into, and I know this is probably going to be um, – this is probably Brian's idea to outdo his idea for Tank Headshot Superman to fight on the moon. Uh, did you want to talk to him about the big shocker at the end of Guardians? Yeah, yeah I, I would, actually. Um, so obviously we see Earth 2 Chloe, and we see her confront regular Earth 1 Chloe and Earth 1 Oliver. And she gets murdered. And my thought process was because I saw the back of the head and I saw a little bit of the face, I think what got her was a monitor. Can you reveal if that's the case? Um, I don't know that I should, but I would say that people who have read many comics with the word crisis in them um, will probably have a leg up in identifying the villain. How's that? That that sounds almost yeah. That's very that, diplomatic. That <laughs> it's it's kind of hard because right now uh, the Green Lantern animated series is kind of doing the same thing where they're bringing in the Anti Monitor, so it's all like happening at once. It's actually very convenient. Are they are they how are they getting how are they getting into the Anti Just are they doing the Anti Universe? Are they doing Yellow Lanterns now? Or they're not at Yellow Lanterns yet, but they are I think doing the Anti Matter Universe. Guardians and stuff? Are they rolling that out too? I don't know. One of the uh, promo images from WonderCon, I believe it was, was the Anti-Monitor destroying like an entire planet or something. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of just floating there doing stuff. Oh, so they're they're kind of not to not to go extra geek on it, but they're playing Unicron a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little oh bit. yeah, a little bit. Okay. But um, off I guess off of that question then. Is which crisis story, whether it's Infinite Earths, Identity Crisis, Infinite Crisis, or Final Crisis, are you basing this arc off of, and how long should we expect it to be going on? I would say it is not. It, it is not, and has nothing to do with Identity Crisis. Okay. Um, it's shoved into an oven or a fridge at any point during the course of the tale. Thank goodness. Um, and I mean, it. I would say that that. Runner, um, you know, which which in in Smallville fashion will will sometimes touch on and sometimes not. Um, you know, much like um, Brainiac coming out of the ship in season five, or um, you know, the Zoners in season six, uh, or even even the Doomsday Arc in season eight, which I know it's avoided. But um, with the way we approach that story. Um, or at least people feel it must be avoided. The way we approach that story will be the same with this Earth 2 crisis story um, okay. throughout season 11. So it's 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 kind of the mythology runner for for the season is the is the crisis story. So okay. it's the it's guess the overarching story where you know season 10 was the apocalypse. This is a crisis. Right, and we'll have, okay. and we'll have, just just like any season, we'll have, you know, some standalone episodes. We'll, you know, we'll have, we'll have kind of a ramp up to the finale towards the end, um, and we'll 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 definitely uh, like in Detective, um, you know, because it's, it's our episode two for the season, right? So the episode yeah. two is all something, introduce a new character, do something big, do something different, and then usually episode 
of three or four will rejoin the thread for the year. So, um, so episode three, we kind of touch back on that story again. Okay. How many episodes are you um, thinking that this is going to take cro- uh, place over? I mean, I know how many I wanted to take over, and certainly <laughs> to say um, it's it, you know, the nature of the business. It's really hard to say because mm-hmm. you know sales and numbers and decisions all all change on a dime, like literally all change on a dime. So, well, thank uh, goodness this comic's been doing so well then. But at yeah. least right now, it's doing well. So. Um, now we've we've got a lot more story left to tell. Um, if at any point, you know that's that's kind of the beauty of having, you know, some some episodes that are in the plan for the year that that certainly don't impact um, the the overarching thread for the year. So if you know if at some point we have to punch out early, and you know we haven't gotten to those, then those just kind of don't get told. But we still have, you know, the still have in, worked into the plan the number of definite issues I need to finish the thread for the year. So, okay. mm-hmm. you know, year in quotation. Um, hopefully, you know, it goes on, you know, for a while. But again, you never know. And that's not just me, like, dancing around knowing and not daring. Like, yeah. it's not even yeah. a table for competition right now. We're just – the train's left the station. We're just trying to get as much comic book done as we can as fast as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the thing of it is – I've always been nervous about the notion of Smallville going into the crisis stuff, the, you know, the, the parallel realities and all of that. And I you got a little nervous. I'm not going to lie when we went into season 10 with this stuff, because I honestly am not the biggest fan of the final crisis story. I think it's way too complicated and it made my mind explode kind of. And, you know, uh, I know. Just literally five-dimensional thought weapons. On yeah, <laughs> and I just I know that there's some casual comic, I mean superhero fans that read this that have only just like seen the Christopher Reeve movies and watched Smallville, or know even less than that. So does it make you a little nervous going there that you know you're going to turn them off or it's going to get too overcomplicated for them or anything <laughs> like that? No, because it's not. You know, may have certain threads that revisit kind of that concept for the year, and then definitely we'll get a little heavier into it towards the end of the season. But it's not, you know, this like like supposedly Grant is off in his mountain on top of a castle built on five dimensional ideas, working on like a multiversity comic. Okay. For D- <laughs> Um, I have no intel on that whatsoever, but but this certainly isn't a year full of Elseworlds tales. It's not. It's not okay. the multiverse. It's it's still, you know, uh, versus kind of us going off into a crisis. It is a crisis coming to us. Okay. So it's it's still happening in the metropolis in the in the DC universe that we have established in the series on television and and now in the comic book. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, right. You're keeping me grounded because a superhero, because uh, Superman fan. You're making me not think I'm going crazy because you know the other books that are out there have these else worlds, have these complicated things, and it helps reading Smallville to remind me that yes, I do have a point that Action Comics because some of these are kind of all over the place. So I just you know want to make sure you're the, still the guy. That's keeping us grounded in reality. 
And, and for more on that, visit week 24 of the DC Nation podcast where we talk about all the Superman books in detail for about an hour and a half, including I mean, yours. It's it's different. It's different flavors at the same time. I mean, it's yeah. I certainly it's it's just what you like, don't like, which is the beautiful thing about having different takes of characters in comics over time anyway, is that. You know, even if you don't like something that's happening with with Superman now, or or whomever, you know, yeah. whatever Animal Man, whatever, like it's it's something where it's cyclical. So even if there's not something that appeals to you with a certain character at one given time, there will have been at some point in that zodiac of storytelling, either before you came into reading about that character, and you can go back and find it, or later, and yeah. and you can rejoin it at some point um which i think for people too is very handy because you know they may have become disillusioned with you know insert arbitrary characters portrayal by insert arbitrary writing in our team under insert arbitrary editorial um but then you know and they leave and they're disillusioned but then come back to it at any point in the future with a different with a different you know arrangement of players on the board and it can be even if it's not written or created by the same people that you knew when you left. It can be just as good, uh, which is kind of the beauty of the cyclical nature of of all the of all the stuff. So like it's great that like like you guys said, you've got an alternative to Superman stuff in, in the Smallville book that you can enjoy now. But you know, I think I think for everybody, it's just a matter of if you don't like what's happening now, teams change, uh, yeah. directive change, motives change. You know, I'm you know sure that depending on how either positive or negative, how the Man of Steel movie received and does will directly affect how all the Superman books are, yeah. are not just perceived but created. Um, it's it's just – it's the nature of the beat. So I'd say hang in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before I guess we get into Guardian, I have one little transition question I need to ask. Yes. This is just me being Keep it quick technical. though, Michael, because I want to talk Batman. I know. I'm going <laughs> to. Okay. So the other night for uh, – for the for the retro reviews podcast that we do on this um, show as well, my co-host Wu and I reviewed the episode Disciple, and while we were watching that, we kind of grew really fond of the character Mia Dearden, who is obviously Speedy in the normal universe. Is Oliver still mentoring mentoring her at this point? Uh, he uh, it it definitely becomes a topic of conversation at some point, um, and we will revisit. Mia slash Speedy um, at some point during the season. So um, okay, and when it comes up, he'll probably cop to the fact that he's been slacking off on that a little bit because uh, um, you know, stuff went down. So people get it's only six months since the end, you know, since the end of the show. So yeah, he was possessed. I mean, yeah. Before that, before that, he was he was kidnapped by not Kandorians who turned out to be um, um, a flag. And um, uh, not checkmate. Not checkmate. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. That iteration of Suicide Squad. There's a lot going on. Um, and um, you know, then after that, it's it was it was it was busy. Then Chloe went away, and then and all of that. Then the Superhero Registration Act happened. The Vigilante Registration Act happened. So um, then Hawkman died. So he really didn't have time to get back. You know, and do and do. You know, archery practice with with Mia. So uh, he, he just threw that out there, and then Hawkman died. <laughs> well, uh, and, and he was probably getting kind of busy with Chloe. 
a little bit there too. You know, he had well, to have that honeymoon phase. And he and he had and he had that. So um, you know, and then you know, monkey. You know, so all of monkey. that, all of that too. So, um, so yeah. So I, I would I would think it would be he'd be remiss, and I would be remiss for us to not revisit um, Mia at some point. That's probably okay. going to happen when they finally get to uh, Star City, Michael. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay home on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess our big question is Batman. I know that's the topic on everyone's mind right now. It's a Smallville comic, and they're going crazy about it. And they should, because we've wanted this for a long time. Um, we were kind of disappointed when the whole um, Adam Knight debacle took place in threes and three. Because it well, was rumored. I was a viewer at that point in season three. Yeah. And and the whole time I was like wrapped up in the oh my god, they're finally gonna do Batman. <laughs> and it's well, he's like a kidney disease zombie experiment. <laughs> and then he's a zombie. He be bleeds from his eyes a lot. And uh, uh, yeah. And I like Ian Summerholder. I think he's an awesome actor. Oh no, yeah, I thought it'd be like because there's a point and this just as a viewer, I, I honest to God have no insight as to any of the thought processes that happened in season three. Um, Cause that was well before my time, yeah. but and the people who could have answered those questions really weren't around to, to ask those uh, when I, when I came to the show, yeah. but there's an episode where, and I used to know this stuff so hardcore and, and now I don't, unfortunately, cause my brain is filled with so many other things. <laughs> there's an episode where, um, Oh God! What was it? Might have been. Um, is it not delete? It, there was where Chloe and Lana end up fighting with a fire axe in a gym shower. Yes. Um, where I like a kill message over their iPod or something. That is delete. Yep. That is delete. Is it delete? Yep. There, I still got it. Um, and um, so during the course of the fight, then then Ian Somerhalder as Adam Knight comes in and breaks it up with like a badass like like roundhouse kick or yep. something. Um, so then I was like, oh, my God, he's Bruce Wayne. Uh, <laughs> I thought the same thing, Brian. But it, but it was the moment because I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then that moment happened. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Bruce Wayne. And he, and he wasn't. And he was. Uh, now, I, I have a guilty uh, TV-watching pleasure. I do watch Vampire Diaries uh, uh, with the, that your pals, the Alan Terry work on. Yeah. He's great. Alan Terry are over on Hawaii Five-0. Oh, they are? Did they move? Officially moved over to Hawaii Five O. yeah. Oh, bummer. Well, I... Airline. Vampire Diaries, though. Yeah. I, uh, I I definitely like it. And, you know, I every time I watch that show, I'm like, he would be so awesome as, like, a Batman character. Well, no, he plays specifically like that, um, the face Bruce has to put on. Yeah. Asshole billionaire. Um I think he, as as um, as Damon, uh, no, it's Stefan. Um, as Damon, <laughs> I think he plays kind of that swagger, yeah. And that I don't really care, but I'm just pretending, and I actually do care. Uh, I think he plays it great. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I guess moving on, you know, we had no more Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I know you want to move on from that, <laughs> even though Brian and I think it's a good show. So it's and, and I have seen all of it. I've literally gotten in, and life always gets in the way. I've gotten up to like the, I think what would have been like the Christmas finale for season one. Okay. Uh, when Bonnie finds out she's a witch. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was. I mean, it was 
it was I kept watching up until it was like like candy, like yeah. eating popcorn. Like, oh, this one's I'm watching another one. Oh, I'm gonna watch it. It gets way better than where you even are. You have no idea. I'll get there. I'll get yeah. there. What happened was I was in that run, and then some life stuff came up, and then I, honest to God, misplaced the Blu-rays for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that point, I was busy the exact same thing with all the way through. Yeah. Um, so I'll get to Vampire at some point. Yeah, well, um, you know, I mean, getting Batman on Smallville... I mean, did you have to jump through some hoops to do that? To twist some arms and some other things to get Not that really. to work out? Okay. No, because once we hit once we hit the comic side of things, it was you know, there were there were no issues with you know stepping on note toes. Yeah. All right, we're good. On to the closing. No. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured it would because you didn't have to have a, a, an actor per se be in the role, get all those things like that. I mean, I would assume that made it a lot simpler. Yeah, we weren't stepping on any. You know, visual, you know, creative representation of, of, of Batman, like we would be on TV. There'd be no competing, you know, quotation marks, live action, you know, representation or misrepresentation of of any version of of Batman at that point. So on the comic side, you know, there's all kinds of versions of Batman. So, um, so we're a little bit more insulated there. No bat embargo. No, absolutely not. That has been, yes, as of a couple of months ago. A couple, well, it's it, more than a couple months. I mean, it's right. been that arc has been. God, I wrote that in. I want to say I turned that arc in in January. Wow. So, yeah. So that's been that's been you know in the can for a while. At least at least from yeah. the art from the it's been in the can for a while. Hmm. Well, talking about different versions of Batman, you know, throughout Smallville, all of the DC characters that you've brought in have all been slightly different from their comic book counterparts or have been Smallvilleized. You know, we've had some of the villains. You know, Doomsday and Zod were slightly different than we knew them in the comic. Oliver has had slightly different origins than in the comic, and same with some of the other Justice League uh, characters that were brought in. Um, yeah, later, we kind of, we hung a little bit, you know, huge, skewed a bit closer to comic right. representation. Like, once once we hit JSAville, yeah. uh, we we kind of were a little yeah. with... With our not spinoff episode episode, yeah, uh, we which which is great. I'm not knocking it, but it very much was like, look at all these wonderful characters in this other world we could play in, and then and then we didn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we we definitely I think got more to to a more you know quotation marks loyal place to you know to on vision versions. That. But anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? Well, how did you go about like I guess putting your own spin on Batman? Bruce Wayne for him to fit in the Smallville universe for make sense within the constraints of the show or, I mean, as the world? Um, I mean, luckily, you know, we, we did open the world up a lot more to kind of, like, once you have Professor Fate yeah. ha- happen where, you know, the onk, the onk symbol comes up and arm materializes all around him and then there he is in a helmet. Like, suddenly it doesn't seem, not that it would have ever been silly, per se to have yeah. like Batman up in the Batman outfit on Smallville. But then once you're in a world where fate can exist in Smallville, um, then suddenly you know, the Batman uniform isn't that unreal or out. So, um, so certainly, you know, the way was paved for, for that to happen. And then, you know, regarding which version, um, you know, I, 
it's, it's kind of an amalgam of of a bunch of different ones. I mean, you know, just regardless of, with rare exception, how Batman's portrayed in like in movies, uh, you know, much like James Bond, like there's a lot about Batman that's always the same from version to version. So I think in that kind of James Bond sense, this is you know that other this is the, you know that Daniel Craig version of. Of of Batman, who's you know different enough, but still has lots of the same defining factors. He's still got a bat cave. He still lost his, parents, you know, to chill in Crime Alley. It's there's there's a lot made him who he is the same. Uh, you know, we're just we're catching up with him finally, on the Smallville side. Yeah. Well, I mean, one major difference is um, his sidekick, and you know, it's interesting. I mean, Barbara Gordon has been Batman's sidekick in the comics. I mean, that's nothing different or nothing new. Um, but, you know, what I thought was interesting and creative, I, I like when writers try to mix it up and put their own spin on things up to make it their own. But, um, you know, what was up with the decision to make Barbara Gordon Nightwing instead of just going with her regular Batgirl persona? persona? And uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I cut it. Go ahead. Right. Well, and and then I guess why didn't you go with, you know, just the tra- traditional Dick Grayson Nightwing? Was it you couldn't use the character or what was the situation there? Um, no, I mean, it it honestly, you know, has it's been much ballyhooed and discussed online. Uh, yeah. Stephanie as Nightwing, which was than anything else, a nod towards something that I had always wanted for Stephanie when, when I was doing the Batgirl comics. Um, you know, and, and the reason for have female sidekick in the first place um, was just to actually more than female sidekick, regardless of, you know, Barbara or Stephanie or, or whoever, it was to have a female apprentice. Because um, it's certainly, as we do it in the book, Nightwing is more of a partner or a partner in the firm of Batman and King. Um, then, uh, then they side, um, you know, and Barbara by day functions as Bruce's assistant in, in the world. And we saw a little bit of that when they were out on the street in, um, in the third chapter, the third digital chapter of detective. Um, but with, with the Nightwing character itself, you know, it's, it seemed like a good way to, have for a comic folk, uh, you know, a handle, a hero handle that that has some cachet, but to put that Smallville twist on it, um, you know, to have it be like like Bart Allen as as um, Flash slash Impulse, yeah, uh, and and you know Clark meeting him as his first super friend instead of you know meeting Barry Allen. It was kind of a nod towards how we used to do things on the show regardless of you know, of it being Stephanie or Barbara female Nightwing was was a nod towards that um, and okay. so in a very kind of kick-ass fun thrill for Batman role uh, which which is what especially as Robin um, you know and then as Nightwing Dick Grayson is uh, is yeah. a counterpoint you know they do business very differently um, which we especially see when when Dick Grayson became Batman during the Batman Reborn arc. Right. Um, you know, Batman could get away with smiling, which is how Two Face found out he wasn't actually Batman. Yeah. Right. right. Um, 
you know, it was it was a different kind of take on that. So so I'd say it's a nod toward all of that is is having having female Nightwing. And there's certainly something I think nice and you know, margin <clears throat> my voice keeps cracking. I apologize. Um, no getting problem. over and, and somewhat progressive to, you know, Bruce Wayne having this trusted confidant apprentice um who's you know a, a kick-ass uh woman um as opposed to you know just having that traditional yes it's the boys club so um yeah. so it's all those things well i mean it makes sense to me because i kind of grew up not only with batman the animated series but with the batman as well as we mentioned earlier and in that show barbara was batgirl before dick was robin was she Batgirl in the animated series before? Yep. Yep. Uh, Robin in, was in season the, four, and she was season three. The Batman, it was. But but in the animated series, though, because Robin came in in yeah. season two. But she came in in season two as well, though, I think. Only yeah. as Barbara in the animated series, but as in the Batman, like the most current one before Brave and the Bold. Right. It was her first. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, and it's not it's not so much on the bat side, like like it's it's Smallville's version of Batman's continuity. So that's not to say that there could never be a Dick Grayson, you know, or a Tim or a Jason who who could become a Robin or, you know, the next Nightwing. But um since Batman's less than you know, he's less than ten years, he's between five and ten years into his kind of war on crime at this point. Um Barbara as Nightwing is the first apprentice, the first confidant. She's she's number one. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Batman existed before Superman. Then yeah, he he may have existed kind of parallel to Red Jacket, Blue T-shirt, Clark slash the Blur. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, he's I, I would say he's been around longer than Oliver as Green Arrow, definitely. Okay. Because there wasn't because there wasn't a period where you know like when Oliver was on the island in our continuity on the show, um, Batman, you know, hit the ground running. You know, okay. Bruce, Bruce hit the, his, his year one was, was substantially early. Okay. Which is cool. Cause that's how the DC animated universe did it as well. And it worked. Yeah. Well, with, with this one too, I mean, catching up with Batman who he's got all his toys, he knows what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not our, our kind of, uh, that kind of um, wrote early Smallville, which which I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all, but way of oh, there's you know Clark comes across someone else who's got their powers and they don't quite know how to use them either, and they're going to learn use it together. And no, don't be a villain; you can be a good guy. Like it's not that. Yeah, it's it. Batman, Batman is in Metropolis on a mission, uh, and in his his way. Yeah. Uh, I'll, Executed, I think, tonally. Um, sexual attention, it's a little more like Andre Ross. Mm, yeah. In vengeance, that she has a specific mission and got in her way. Um, that's kind of the place where Batman and Superman start in in Detective. So, okay. so red sun radiation gloves? I would say you will have an answer to that um, within the next 10 pages. Ah, would, would that happen to be. Uh, uh, meeting with Chloe Sullivan that inspired that? That uh, You will have an answer to that in the next 10 pages as well. Okay. Because that's what I honestly thought inspired the idea of him 
having a young female assistant was based on meeting Chloe, getting her talking about her, their experience with like working with Clark and her being friends with Clark. And so I thought that kind of gave Batman the idea that maybe he needed a friend or something like that to the same context. In all fairness, and I know people are going to throw hands up in alarm and shock at this, but Chloe technically semantically just says she met a billionaire with with toys. Um, She she didn't say she met Bruce Wayne. See? So there. Put that Smoke it. Uh oh. Thank you for that one. Uh, but okay. see, at least you know we pay attention. No, no, I, I would never in a million years doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so kind of on that route, I guess, are we going to see or even have a mention of Alfred Pennyworth existing in this universe? Um, you'll get a mention of Alfred, but you won't get to meet Alfred in in detail. But he does exist. It's absolutely. Wow. I don't think you can have Batman without Alfred, to be honest. I don't think you can either. And I, it, it's 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 a very I mean to me just like just like um, and I, people you know can change whatever they want to change for different versions. It's infinite diversity and infinite competitions. But uh, with it's just to me it's like one of those sacred kind of iconic relationships in comics is is mm-hmm. a few um, that I think if you said them to man on the street they would. Un- and everything about that relationship as soon as you just say the two names. And I think one of them is is Bruce and Alfred, is Batman and Alfred. Well, and I think it's very much as important to Batman's character as Jonathan and Martha were to Superman's. I would I would agree. I would absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to remember this is a Superman book, and we only have so much time to cover Batman without completely, you know, going off of what everything else is going on. With Clark and Smallville at the same time. Well, and what's what's the the benefit of kind of how we're doing detective teams that once we get past uh, this very bumpy first meeting between our two titans um, when we come back from our from our hiatus, um, it's you know, voyage for the rest of detective by and large is you know super man you know finest. Uh, you know, lethal weapon with with these you know good cop bad cop. Um, yes, you know, yes. Go through the story, so you're not going. You know, you'll you'll get as much kind of Batman background as you know because we're seeing Batman at that point through Clark's eyes, or you know through Superman's eyes. So you'll you'll learn as much as a Clark feels he needs to know and and asks, and b as much as Bruce is willing to reveal. So. Uh, and then that's not all going to happen up front, and that's not all going to happen at once, um, which is you know the beauty of telling the story like we are. Is that you know, like like your question about you know the the bat symbol and the gauntlets lighting up red, and what does that mean, and how was how was Batman able to you know kind of knock Clark on his ass right there at the end of <laughs> like somebody online had lots of questions about that, and you know, my my point back was. Well, why would why would I answer that before the has had an had an opportunity to answer that question? Exactly. If explain everything up front. Then we're not going. You know, there's there's no reason to keep reading if you explain everything up front. I don't think I don't personally believe in also dangling those things too long without right. answering them. Um, you know, he said after mentioning the crisis story would be strung out over the course of a year, but in in the small 
at least, you know, for, for more immediate questions, I think, I think you do need to answer them relatively quickly, just in the right order. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the excitement of reading this stuff. Carrying the book, if there everything was answered right away, it wouldn't be exciting to read. No. And they do, they do, you know, they they have they have a fight in the next ten pages, and 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 you get you get a lot of information out during the course of that fight too. So now, if we could only get Tom Welling and Kevin Conroy to read it, that would be awesome. <sighs> I'm not gonna lie, like as much as I hear, and it's I think it's just programming from from being exposed to media I was when I grew up. As much as I hear, kind of. Tom's voice when I'm writing Lex. I also yeah. just as much hear Clancy Brown's voice when yeah. when Lex. Like I think there's it just depends on what media you were exposed to at what time you were exposed to it during your relationship with getting to know different characters and um, it's 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 tough sometimes to not not hear that too. So yeah. it's um and honestly that sometimes also depends on the artwork. Absolutely, absolutely. If they're drawn more like a certain actor, and they act more like a certain actor, you can see that person better. Like with Tom Welling in this show, or in this comic, I've I've heard pretty much the entire time, but I've been on and off between Christian Bale and Kevin Conroy with Batman. Well, and I th- I think with that, too, I think um, yeah, I think it's a mix because I think you can have Christian Bale's Bat voice for it, but then Kevin Conroy's Bruce voice for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or somewhere in the middle, um, Valkyrie, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe some Valkyrie, at least on the Bruce side of things. Because um, he wasn't, remember, wasn't a bad Bruce at all. No, so, he wasn't a bad Bruce at all. Batman, not a, meh. Eh, but, but not, not, not terrible. Bad, not terrible. Not Clooney. Yeah. But um, I don't even remember what we're talking about at this point. But yeah, whatever. Yes. Sure. Yes. Whatever, whatever the answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wait, I can be in the issue? No. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to uh, be the new intern, Michael? When the schedule loosens up, we'll figure out how to do some things okay. like that. Yes. Nice. <laughs> well, and, Chef. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I conned to be into Smallville Season 11. But. Well, speaking of Tom reading the book, um, you know, since Smallville was a bunch of live action series, were there? I mean, is there any scenes that you've written in season season? I mean, in season eleven, would you have loved to see acted out on screen by the actors? Um, I don't know about scenes per se, but there's definitely um, some stuff that we wound up just never having the time or the budget to do. Because um, I mean, with the TV show too, like we rarely with the show from from a budget and a storytelling standpoint than anything else we rarely just had scenes were off plot or off character like you wouldn't really have many like uh, like in a, in escape tiny jellies yeah Clark Oliver having that like we didn't get that a lot um so like a few times you know the scenes that i had in cuz i always tried to put like intern into every script of mine i just wanted to Evan employed. He was so creepy in that last detective chapter. Um, yeah, it's some, sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. Uh, <laughs> but that part of, you know, there was a scene that we cut, it, it never got shot, but it, it script for a while in prophecy where we, we got that, 
Jeff is very protective of Lois, jealous of Clark. Um, <laughs> when, when, when Clark shows up and walks in and finds Lois with the map and the little fake buildings all over the floor, um, where Jeff basically told him he didn't have an appointment so he couldn't get in. Yeah. Uh, and it was very on purpose. And Clark's like, well, I'm marrying her tomorrow, so I get to go in. And just, no, you don't. And then, you know, finally Lois is like, chill out, Jeff, and, and let's come in. Uh, it's, it's kind of where the, you know, what you just said, the creepy stuff with Jeff. Uh, there is a little bit of, of you know, some, some jealousy there that will, that will come out. And just, you know, just for, for comedic stuff, not – you know, he's not going to pull like a trespass with Lana and hit Lois on the head and, you know, screw <laughs> away that Jeff will certainly not do that. Um, but so, yeah, so that kind of thing. Um, there's definitely episode three haunted one of the multiple storylines that I'm wrestling with in that story um, is something that I had always wanted to do for an episode and um, almost made it into the lineup a few times. So, um, so that's happening. Um, and then, you know, at some point, if we get enough, if we get enough space, uh, kind of in the middle of the season, um, there was a female JLA episode that I was working on that almost happened. Um, and we'll definitely revisit a version of that. Um, cause certainly yeah. the circumstances in our world are a little bit different mm-hmm. in season 11, but, um, but if we can, I'm definitely going to go back to that story too. I remember hearing rumors about that episode. It came, it came. Really close. One time it was Queen of Fables as a villain. One time it was Maxima as a villain. Um, and it just, by the time it would have come up in the order in season 10, it would A, have been too expensive and B, you know, was an episode that didn't have Clark at the center of it. Yeah. Um, and especially in that last run in season 10, we really afford to not have an episode that Clark, you know, we're just not to have an episode where Clark wasn't at the center of it. So, yeah. so it just didn't. So, so there'll be a version of that that um, that comes out to play at some point, hopefully. Well, it's like you get to do your your dream scenes that didn't make the cutting room floor. But it's so long sense in the context of the story. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, definitely there'll be some things that, and it's hard because there were lots of episodes that we you know put together or started to put together that we didn't do, um, and I could certainly kind of mine those, but I honestly that kind of i feel like wouldn't be fair because those were ideas that came from other writers on the show who aren't involved with the comic okay so i really don't want to dip my toe in that pool because i think that's slippery slope yeah uh, any ideas i do revisit um you know will be versions of ones that that kind of i brought to the table or championed in the first place just that way it's it's just it, i feel better about it that way well mm-hmm. it's, it's great having you having an opportunity to do that sort of thing and not a lot of writers get those get that opportunity, so that's going to be something cool to enjoy. Well, for better or worse, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Well, yeah. So thank far, it's been so good. So thank you. But um, one last one before uh, we let you go. Out of the new characters you've introduced in season eleven, like Otis, Hank Henshaw, Bruce Wayne, Barbara Gordon, which actors have you envisioned to play these characters on screen? Like Hank Henshaw to me looks like Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> he was um the goal for him was uh, matthew fox okay it worked um and you know more just in presence and you know being than than in because because with anybody we can we can only get these characters as look so much like real world counterparts because of shoes and all kinds of stuff so mm-hmm. yeah. uh, 
they make it, and that's why some people say, "Oh, well, you know, Clark doesn't always look like Tom in every panel." And you know, it's 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 one of those things where we can only legally get it close. And understanding that, then you've got different styles as we move from artist to artist. So that's that's why your mileage is going to vary a little bit on physical depiction. Sound the same and write them the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do little bit different from you know but then art's subjective there are lots of people who think that you know uh, and i'm not making a judgment call either way but that you know how perry drew tom in guardian um was more effective at portraying tom than how cross is drawing him in detective and i've heard the other way too you know and then yeah. you know we've got filling in um he helped out for the next three the next digital weeks so when we come back you know there'll be jamal's version which i'm sure some people will say looks better or worse than either a or b so uh i don't what started oh actors um so yeah so (laughs) yeah um for when we came into uh detective with cross um i'd never worked with cross before i worked with perry before um, on a bunch of back girl issues so we had a very easy shorthand um so with cross i did want to you know kind of uh impose you know our vision on him for for you know certain character portrayals so for batman for bruce you know i described the personality build but just kind of let him draw how he wanted to draw so mm-hmm. what's interesting was and this is just how subjective art is when the pages came in i was like oh i see what you were going for and he was like yeah benjamin bratt and i was like no it's simon baker uh <laughs> both have dimples. they both have dimples and kind of like wavy hair so that's, that's kind of the unifying so, so I see Bruce as kind of somewhere in this nebulous gray region between Benjamin Bratt and and the Mentalist. So, so that's and, and you know okay. for, for Nightwing and stuff, kind of loose. It was just more more about the essence of the character than about than about exactly what what he or she looked like. Okay, mm. uh, that makes sense. How about Otis? Um, Otis. Um, I think the specific description I gave Perry at some point was um, like a younger version of Ned Beatty's character, but um, kind of seen through an Asian Pacific Islander lens. So like, no, no specific, no specific character whatsoever, no specific actor whatsoever. But just those were the, that was the starting point. Yeah. Hmm. Every time we we have a panel, we talk about with Otis appearing up. Uh, Michael has to do his voice, which is always fun. Luthor. Yeah. It's the Luthor. No, I love uh, – they're, they're my favorite, favorite, favorite um, duo to write in thing. So um, – and, and I loved getting to see this. I mean, it was really great you brought him in. I really, really would have loved to see, you know, Rosenbaum interact with an o- Otis. That would have been fun. I think at some point it was like way early – mid – Way through season five or something, there was a hint towards a henchman named Otis. Or yeah, something. there was a Mr. Otis or something. A Mr. Otis at some point, but, but he was in very, like one episode. It's a very different kind of relationship. So, well, and, and then I mean, there were things just because of various legal clearances with how things work. Yeah. Uh, like when we did um, uh, what season eight when we went to the Phantom Zone, um, we had Feora instead of Ursa. Yeah. And then, you know, we kept Feyora on as, as you know, uh, Clone Zod's lover in, in Season 9. Um, we, we couldn't have access to the name Ursa, but we could have access to the name Feyora. But in the, in the comic, we can have Otis. But we, it, so it's, there's all kinds of weird legal yeah. intricacies 
kinds of things um, that work in different directions. So, yeah, it's odd stuff. Well, now she's fairer in the movie Man of Steel. So, yeah. So, but must have something to do with how character creation and stuff for live action is worded differently than you know than for print. Or it could just be personal preference. Could be personal preference as well, because that also does mm-hmm. kind of remove it from Zod or Sanan, you know, from um, from yeah. the Dom route. So, but you still have, you know, a femme fatale for for Zod to have, you know, at his side. Yep, which is needed. Yeah. Well, um, Brian, I mean, thanks again for joining us. Um, really great to have you uh, back on the show. God, uh, definitely, we really enjoy your company and talking to you. Of course, it's just. You know, great to get such great insight on these comics we're reading every week. And uh, we thank you for supporting what we're doing here at our show and whatnot, because we definitely support the work you're doing as well. Oh, no. Thank you guys very much. Um, you know, let me know when when you're ready to post, and I'll, I'll tweet her out about it. And yeah. whenever you want to come back on, just let us know. Well, I mean, let's, you know, because I've got this set up with a couple other guys, too. Let's well, if and when. <laughs> yeah. Start, let's just get back together then. Okay, that sounds great. Ramp up on uh, Haunted. Let's uh, let's do that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, maybe we can catch up on some Vampire Diaries as well. Watch the Michael's display. <laughs> two more episodes by then. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Brian. We'll we'll let you go. You have a nice evening. All right. Thanks a lot, guys, and I'll touch you again soon. Sounds yep, great. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you guys for joining us, Brian Q. Miller. Second interview yes. on the DC Nation podcast. It has been awesome. We love talking to you, Brian. And he's... We're just so glad that you are so pumped. And you're such a fan, just like we are. So it, yes. that's awesome. It really is. And you're also capable of going off on tangents like we are, which is Oh, fun. always. And he's not the biggest Grant Morrison fan either. But regardless of that. Yes. Um, he didn't our... say that directly, though true so he's safe we're not well but... anyway we're gonna we're gonna move on to the closing now just i know we started it like three times but we're officially gonna do the closing and michael would you like to tell everyone what we're gonna do on our next episode because it's really something different get a great idea that i think we're pretty excited about well, okay so well i have to go into a little backstory okay a little back you could do that we um, have time we do have time because, yes. I mean, we could go on for hours at this point. We're yeah. not going to because we know we don't want to give up your hopes. Yes. Re- regardless, uh, last last when Dan and I were planning this interview and going through the questions and trying to make sure it would all fit into an hour, it didn't, by the way. We went over. but <laughs> Not by much, like five minutes. Yeah, like five minutes. And so Brian was fine. So it, yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, afterwards, we decided we have to cover the Robot Chicken episode well, the DC Comics Robot Chicken episode that's airing on the next week after we've recorded this interview. So that would be week 27. Seven. Yes, week 27. And on week 27, we decided that when we record it, we are going to watch the Robot Chicken episode at once while we are recording in yes. a commentary format for the first time. So neither of us are going to watch it beforehand, and you'll get our firsthand experiences of the DC Comics Robot Chicken episode. And we honestly don't know how this episode's going to work, you guys. We have no idea. This all is we, an all, experiment. All we can tell you for sure is that we're doing the commentary, and afterwards we're going to do chapter 16 of Smallville Season 11, but that's all we know. So so there will be 
at least one quality part of the podcast as we talk about Smallville. We have no idea how the robot chickens. We don't know how the robot chickens. Because normally when we do commentaries, it's of things we've seen before. So we're going to try it with a first watching and just see what happens. See what comes of it. We've done that with some chapters of Smallville before, but never like this. And so we're just going to see what happens. It could be a lot of laughter. It could be a lot of fun. We may have to pause during the watching to talk about some stuff because mm. we could be laughing so hard that we may have to. So I don't know. This could be an editing nightmare for us. We'll see. But, you know, with us Who's giving you this with us giving you this quality interview, we think we could get away with an experimental episode. Yeah. Because so you, you have this. It's not like we're letting you down or anything. Because I think you guys are getting a little tired of us talking about comics. So we thought we'd just really try to mix it up for you guys. Well, I really, guys, if you love Robot Chicken, if you love DC Comics, if you love Jeff Jobs writing, making fun of DC Comics, and you love us, and you love Smallville and Brian, you're going to love that episode. So come so yes. come and join us for week 27 of Crossface DC Nation podcast. Yes. And we are watching the episode. I'm recording it on DVR and watching it on my DVR as we record. Mm-hmm. So just so everyone knows, there's no illegal funny business going on with how we're going to do this. Correct. And also, when is the episode? When does it air so people can, I guess, check it out? I believe it's September 9th at midnight. Okay. So that would be on Adult Swim, which is the same channel as Cartoon Network, which actually works really well for us because we cover DC, the DC Nation block on Cartoon Network. So it's the same channel, so yeah. it's the same category as what our podcast would normally cover. And we'll post a reminder on Twitter that the episode's on because it's not a normal thing we cover. Right. You will. I, I'll forget. So. And that's and- also <laughs> yes. And that's also so you guys can record the episodes yourself, so you can listen to the commentary with us. Yes, because you're going to want to. Yes, most definitely. And also, um, with that, I advise you guys to check out our other podcasts. It's back running full throttle on a, on a weekly schedule now. The original Across the Airwaves is back. And right now we are covering Warehouse 13, Alphas, and the new series of Doctor Who, which just started. So our next episode that's coming out, I think that's week 88. Eight, I believe, covers episode. episode 88. I'm getting the two shows confused. Episode 88 discusses Alpha's Warehouse and Doctor Who. So you can expect the original ATA back on a regular process. Um, and again, with their original Across the Airways, we cover live action drama shows with that. So if you like live action dramas, listen to the original Across the Airwaves. We mm-hmm. also have ATA Retro Reviews, hosted by Michael. Yeah. Yes. And that basically does retrospectives on past TV shows. We've done Smallville in the past, which we're continuing to do in preparation for the Arrow TV show. And we've done Supernatural. We've done Power Rangers. We've done Scooby-Doo. And I think we're going to do some more Power Rangers. I think we're going to do the Power Rangers in Space finale coming up. We're going to do some Birds of Prey, Human Target, stuff like that. Firefly, hopefully. Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, hopefully that one, too. So, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot this year, but we're only doing it twice a month because of another show Wu and I are hosting, along with Dan and Nico on occasion. Yes. And that's Across the Airwaves Longbow Hunters, the Arrow podcast, 
And that will be the first official podcast, I think, to exist online to discuss the new hit series coming out on the CW, which is one of the top 10 shows TV.com says you should watch, Arrow, premiering Wednesday nights on the CW. Along with Supernatural. And we already have episode zero of that show out. So technically, we are officially the only one to cover it so far, I believe, because we already have that episode zero out a few months before the premiere. But um, and basically that is just giving you background on the Green Arrow character, his mythology, his appearance in other media, including Smallville, Justice League Unlimited, stuff like that. So if you guys don't know much about Oliver Queen or the Green Arrow, which if you're listening to this interview, you probably should. I mean, you've seen him on Smallville. But if you want more information, go to carstories.com slash arrow podcast and episode zero is on there. And that is also the link you will be able to visit when episodes start coming out after the pilot. Also, as I referenced in this episode with Brian, um, coming soon is also another bi-weekly podcast. Um, it's going to be a supplemental podcast um, with Across the Airwaves that's going to air, I think, bi-weekly um, about the Vampire Diaries. And the working title right now of that is the ATA Vampcast, but we'll oh. see what that is. Vampcast. If that works out. But we are going to start talking about that show. Got a weekly basis, and I think we're going to try to do good episode zero. Um, just give me some backstory on the show and what we've thought of the first three seasons before we get into talking about season four. And who's your host on that? Well, we may also have a new co-host. I don't want to say just yet. Uh, identify that person just yet because I don't know That's if it's true. all going to go through yet. But uh, mm-hmm. if it works out, God, we will also be adding Vampire Diaries to our slate of reviews. So you have that to look forward to, and if you want to hype that up, feel free to do so. Also, if you'd like, if you have any questions um, about our interview with Brian or any questions you want us to direct towards Brian or want to talk about any of the shows we cover at Across the Airwaves, you can visit our website at www.acrosstheairwaves.com. There you can contact us uh, through email at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com. Also, you can like us on Facebook, follow our circle on uh, Google+, or add us on Twitter. Get our Twitter's Across Airwaves. There's no the there. It's just Across Airwaves. Get through following us on Facebook, Twitter, at Google+, you'll have access to all of our movie and TV news. We find out during the week, as well as they will keep you updated on our podcast episode releases. Also, if you like, if you have any crackpot theories about the TV shows we cover, you can leave us a voicemail. Okay, what's that number, Michael? one 809 That is 1-773-809-3363. We will play that on air. Yes, we will. Can also, you can check out our YouTube channel. Um, and at that channel, you can check out all sorts of previews and promos for upcoming TV show um, episodes, as well as movies, including the new James Bond movie Skyfall and the Superman Man of Steel. All of those trailers are up there. Also, we have videos from Comic-Con 2012, which preview new episodes of our favorite shows that are coming back this fall. So you can check those out as well. Can also, Michael released a really cool promo video advertising across the airwaves, DC Nation. Also, if you don't want to go back through this podcast to listen to all the ways, you can contact us. You can download our Android app, which will let you... Uh, listen to our podcast episodes on your cellular phone 
You can also contact our show through your phone as well. So once again, for my original, the Cross the Airways co-host, uh, Woo Kip. <laughs> no, ah. <laughs> so once again, wow. <laughs> Woo has been upgraded to Across the Airways now. No. Woo. Okay, we're good. Woo. Okay, everyone can follow themselves. Wow, Brian's made that a snap. Might, they may have to stay in there. <laughs> so once again, for my original, the Cross the Airways co-host, Nico Reichstech, and Michael's Retro Reviews co-host, Wu Kim. I'm Dan Schmidt. <laughs> Michael J. Petty. And until our next episode, we Michael's... will catch you on the airwaves. Dan, you stole my thunder there. I, always I was going to say when Michael's stopped laughing, we will oh. catch you on the airwaves. Oh my thunder. Well, I guess we'll catch you all on the airways. See you guys. Thanks for joining us for our interview with Brian. It was a lot of fun. And Brian, thank you for joining us again. Um, you're doing great work with the comic, and it was great that we got to talk to you all about it. So, great job, Brian. Keep it great. See you guys. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for all the support you give our show. We really appreciate it. See ya. Now return to our regularly scheduled program.